0: Don't be surprised when it all comes falling apart, we just one boss move from total chaos. Will this world ever live in still moons and breeze? Don't be surprised when it dies like you and me, think it could today. Didn't hear that last week. What's up everybody? Episode 251 of Living Off the Land is coming at ya. And... I'm back.
1: I'm back.
0: Well, I was back last week, but I'm better than ever I had no voice. I was getting over COVID. But we're all back now. We're back to full strength. We are back in person as uh Steve is not afraid to get the ick from me anymore. You're back
1: in the studio for the first time in three weeks now. That's that's good. And it's Wednesday night. And you know what that means. We got a spicy episode coming up for you tonight. Spicy. This 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 is gonna be good here. Well, let's start it off with a
0: drink. Of the beer of the week. Mm-hmm. This is a beer that we've had on the podcast a few times, uh, so it's kind of just running it back. Another hazy IPA. This one comes from Fat Heads, and it is called Groovy Juice. It's hazy. You dig?
1: Groovy. Uh,
0: very good hazy IPA from uh, our friends over at Fatheads. And uh, let me pull up a a little bit of a description here As we talk about this beer Beer of the week Uh, If, what the heck is going on?
1: I don't know What Uh, is going on? I'm trying to pull up the
0: uh...
1: Well, I can tell you that the can art is a very refreshing (sighs) shade of orange I do like that Oh yeah,
0: absolutely It's hazy you dig? Mm. Uh, this is one of the highest scores on Beer Advocate. This gets a 95. This is in their world-class world category. And uh, just a little bit of uh, a note on hazy, or hazy, on groovy juice. The juice is loose. Loose. What? Loose? <laughs> maybe, <I'd> st- <laughs> maybe I still do have COVID. I don't know what the hell's going on. Valencia oranges have got this headhunter all juiced up. A punch-you-in-the-mouth brew for those who truly love their hops for breakfast. Uncivilized? Yes. Aggressive? Absolutely. Award-winning? Hell-freaking-yes. This is easily one of my favorite hazies. Uh, we If you've listened to the show, you know what my favorite is. Still being brewed, but have gone through a lot of changes. That would be Hazy Jude from Platform. Uh, but this is right up there. This is absolutely one hundred percent right up there. Um, Fatheads just Fatheads just makes great beer. Seven point five percent ABV. Uh, it uh, as I said nine ninety five on uh, Beer Advocate, and I gotta say it it definitely lives up to the billing. Um, you know we've had it on the show before. So I really don't need to get too in-depth on this beer. Uh, I just want to go in and see, because I know we've had it on the show before, and I want to see what I rated it back when we last had it. So I'm going through...
1: I'm wondering if this cracks into the eights. I have a feeling it probably does.
0: Uh, yes, for me, absolutely. But I want to see what we gave it the last time. Man, it's been maybe it's been longer than I thought. Either that, or we just didn't post the the picture. Um, sorry, it's kind of dead air right here. But uh, uh, no, that's not it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, blah, There's blah, no blah, oxygen
1: blah. in the room. I can't breathe. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my
0: god. Well, I can't find it. So anyway, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and rate it. I guess for the first time. Then I, I know we've had it on the show before. I just whatever. Uh, to hell,
1: I can't find it. Yeah, to hell with it. That.
0: Uh, I. This is going to be an eight point four for me. Eight point four. So strong Whoa. in the eights. This is a very good beer. It's really, really good. If you've never had it, I strongly encourage that you go out and try it. Um, yeah, you can get it anywhere. Anywhere it's sold. I got this at Giant Eagle. So, uh, Groovy Juice, Hazy IPA from Fatheads. Heads. Um, yeah, head on over uh, to the saloon in North Olmstead or to the uh, the beer hall in
1: Middleburg Heights. I was just going to point that out. Fatheads Brewery with three local <coughs> locations, 24581 Lorraine Road, North Olmsted; 17450 Angle Lake Drive, Middleburg Heights, and also 3885 Everhard Road in Canton.
0: Um, I haven't been to the Canton location. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so that is the beer of the week. Uh, Groovy Juice, hazy IPA from
1: Fatheads. Absolutely. So moving right along here. Uh, So the Cleveland Cavaliers, not skipping segments here, but the Cavaliers are playing a road-and-road doubleheader of sorts in Brooklyn against the Nets. They actually took the first game last night, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, I I mean, what other neighborhood could I talk about today, uh, given that, than Brooklyn, Ohio?
0: Ah! Yes. Very nice.
1: And if you look at it on a map, it's almost like Cleveland, like, lost a tooth. (laughs) <laughs> Basically, on the west side, it's almost like you you have this straight on line along Brook Park Road, and then it just kind of jogs in. It's almost Brooklyn is like kind of tooth shaped, and then it like just kind of drops back down right back to along Brook Park Road as you go past Parma. So uh, if you think about that in terms of geography, you've got the the red line and i seventy one is its is its northern boundary. Uh, the west edge is kind of in between West One Thirtieth Street and Tiedemann Road. Brook Park Road, as I mentioned before, is the southern boundary, and then the eastern boundary is between Fulton Road and Ridge Road, for the most part. Actually runs along Ridge for part of it. Um, Brooklyn is a, I would say, middle class to to working class community. The average home price there is about $165,000 per Zillow and Realtor.com. That's up about four to 6% year over year, uh, depending on who you talk to. Uh, so housing markets kind of chugging along there. You know, you've had some of the more bougie sections of town that actually, you know, are are actually in decline right now. But people are, you know, some people are, you know, budgets are stretched because of inflation and everything. And, and the smaller homes, which, you know, in terms of square footage, which, you know, you think of communities like Parma, Parma Heights, you know, central Cuyahoga County, um, and then, you know, parts of. The, the southern western portion of Cleveland, you know, places like Old Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center, and the city of Brooklyn itself, you know, you're talking about a lot of ranch homes and stuff, and in most of the neighborhoods, and those are selling like hotcakes still in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. So, um, uh, Brooklyn's got a lot, uh, a lot of appeal as far as that goes. In terms of commercial corridors, you got two major kind of, I mean, it doesn't really run along roads like it does in some cities, but you have two big time plazas for shopping centers. One is, um, just north of off Road and just to the east of Ridge Road. And then the other one is the big, hulking Ridge Park Square, which is uh, at the Ridge Road and I-480 Interchange, which has all sorts of uh, shopping there, including Ross, Five Below, Lowe's Home Improvement, uh, one of my favorite places to eat, Texas Roadhouse. I love Texas Roadhouse.
0: Get yourself a slab of beef there.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Among other places. Uh, Spent some time at the, back in the day at the AMC at Rich Park Square, also. Any anywho, uh, Brooklyn also has two major park areas. One is the Brooklyn Memorial Park, which is on the north side of town. That's actually uh, run by the Metro Parks and it runs. Uh, it's almost like a a rectangular shape. It covers most of the area between Ridge and Rodon, Rodon Road uh, on the north end of town. That's also just south of Memphis Avenue, I should point out. Uh, on the other side of the street from that park is actually the John Coyne Recreation Center, which is the main rec center in town. Uh, just up north from there is the St. Thomas More Parish, and actually two other churches are right there, St. John of Kronstadt and the Brothers of the Holy Spirit uh, Catholic Church. That, that's kind of your, I don't know, you have a bit of a church corridor there on the north end of town as well. Then as you go a little bit to the west on Memphis Avenue at the corner of Tiedemann Road, you have one of the true gems of Cleveland, and that is the Memphis Kitty Park. Mm-hmm. Memphis Kitty Park has been around since 1952, yep. ladies and gentlemen. I remember going there as a kid. The, yeah, I, I, I mean maybe I don't remember much because it was a long time ago, but yes, it's um, you know they have little kitty rides, they have mini golf, they have you know ice cream stand, they've got all sorts of stuff to keep the little ones occupied for. Uh, probably hours, honestly. It's not a big footprint, but there's but there's a they pack in a lot of stuff to to do in that uh, particular park area, and you know they actually had a bit of tragedy in the off season that one of the um, original owners of Memphis Kitty Park actually passed away this past off yeah. season, which was really unfortunate. But uh, the park is slated to open again on May 20th of this year. That's about two months from now. So, uh, and yeah, I guess they're not. They don't want to roll the dice with the uh often crazy spring weather that we have here. Like we could have days in the eighties in April, but we could also snow. So like they kind of wait until you know the weather's more stable to actually open up the park. But uh that's definitely uh some place to check out if you have if you have no any. No
0: snow on April thirteenth, please. Oh. <laughs> or rain.
1: Yeah, that uh <laughs> That that would not be good. Um, that's actually supposed to be opening night of our golf league too. So yeah, hopefully no rain or snow on April thirtieth for sure. Um, Memphis Kitty Park is at ten three forty Memphis Avenue. In it says Cleveland, but it's right on the border between Cleveland and Brooklyn. So I kind of as Brooklyn. Uh, definitely a place to check out. And that pretty much does it. Brooklyn is a you know, like I said, it's like Cleveland lost a tooth. It's it's an area that's not like. It's not a very big footprint, but it packs in a lot of folks. 11,000 people call Brooklyn home, and that's very high population density for uh, compared to much of Cuyahoga County. Mm-hmm. So uh, That's Brooklyn, and just like the Cavs did to the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday it? night, you can wham it with a right hand.
0: Wham it. All mm-hmm. right. Well, uh, we might as well just go right into that. We should talk mm-hmm. about the week that was with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cavs are chugging right along. Got a win last night. They've actually been performing pretty well lately on the road. Uh, this makes four out of the last five on the road.
1: Yeah, the road doesn't seem to be as much of a bugaboo as it was <clears> earlier <throat> on in the season. The Cavs have actually, yeah, they split two games in Miami, then won two in Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's terrible, but still. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Brooklyn and they they win there. I mean, Miami and Brooklyn are playoff teams, or probably almost certainly going to be in the playoffs. So, you
0: know at least I mean? in the play-in.
1: You know, yeah, right, because Brooklyn, I believe, was 6th and Miami is 7th. So, yeah, one of them might have to deal with the play-in tournament. But, uh, I mean, I would imagine if you land 7th, you're probably not going to lose two games at home to lose out. But who knows? But, yeah, think the, so. the Cavs are firing on all cylinders right now. In addition to those ro- aforementioned road wins, they, they trucked Washington on Friday, 117-94. Uh, The only team that's been able to to handle him over this stretch is Philadelphia, which for whatever reason, the Cavs cannot seem to beat Philadelphia. And there were some very questionable refereeing decisions that uh, made a huge outcome in this game, particularly them rescinding Joel Embiid's sixth foul with four minutes left. That was an awful decision.
0: Egregious. Absolutely egregious because even if – even if that wasn't an absolutely blatant foul call, they called it an offensive foul on the floor. And there was enough contact there where you wouldn't be able to just flat out overturn it.
1: Hmm.
0: It's the indisputable evidence piece of what replay is supposed to be. If it wasn't called a foul on the floor, yeah, I can understand the refs saying, hey, you know, it's not a foul. It was called a foul on the floor, and his ass was on the bench with six foul. And who knows what would have happened the rest of that game. I mean, that
1: was a big game. And also, the game's being played in our building. Yeah. Like, that takes a lot of nads <clears throat> for the referees to overturn a call like that against the home team. That does not happen very often.
0: I mean, I get it. Joel Embiid is having an MVP season. He's probably the odds-on favorite to win the MVP this year.
1: I wouldn't dispute that.
0: But, I mean, that was just, yeah, it was just, it was a really bad call. Really bad. Just stick to what you called on the floor. Because either way, it wasn't egregious enough either way for you to be able to change that call. Yeah. Anyway, that was longer than a week ago. We're just in our, we're just still in our fields about it. But you mentioned us not playing well against the Sixers. I, I guess the good thing is the way that the playoffs are setting up. The only way that we would see the Seventy ers would be in the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: I was just going to bring that up. The Sixers so, are going to be on the opposite side of the Eastern <coughs> Conference bracket. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not. Likely so if to that be an ha- issue. like if that
0: happens, if, if, if somehow uh, you know the Cavs can get by. You know, assuming that they get by their first round opponent, probably right New now it looks like the Knicks. Yeah, and then they're able to beat the Bucks in the second round, which I mean, if, yeah, if, it would
1: probably if, be Milwaukee.
0: If you go to the Eastern Conference Finals and then you you run up against a team that you just don't match up well against, and you lose in that series, I mean, you can't be disappointed in the Cavs making the conference finals. Oh uh,
1: no, the Cavs knocking out Milwaukee in round two. Oh my! For would me, be, a, that'd be that'd be a successful season deal. for
0: the Cavs. Would be to win a first round playoff series and be competitive in the second round against the Bucs.
1: Yeah, agreed. If the Cavs I'm could right do with that,
0: uh, I will be. I will feel very good about the Cavs season and them moving forward. Um, now, obviously, we still have a little bit of time before we get there. But if they, if they, if they lay an egg and lose to the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs, that's going to be really. No, disappointing.
1: No, no, that would hurt. It's going to be really. I would disappointing. sting for sure.
0: But. Uh, we're not there yet. Cavs still have what? They're 46 eight, and 28. Eight games
1: to go. And they only <coughs> need to win four of the eight to finish with 50 wins. Given the teams they have left to play, I think that's virtually in the bag. Yeah, they have they,
0: a really easy schedule. You know, the, home stretch. the next
1: four games, there are some banana peels in there. They have to play Brooklyn tomorrow, Houston home Sunday. That should be easy. But then they have to go to Atlanta. That's another place where they almost never that's true. seem to win. Yeah. Then the Knicks come into Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse next Friday, the 31st. That, you know, that could be one of those games that has like almost playoff level intensity before you get to the postseason, given the potential seedings. Yeah. But then after that, the final four games, Indianapolis, Orlando, Orlando again, and then Charlotte. Yeah. I can't I mean I can't see the Cavs. I mean, maybe they just get disinterested and they lose one of those games in Orlando, but I, I yeah. even that's kind of a. Stretch. I
0: see. I see the Cavs finishing with fifty-one or fifty-two wins this year. I do
1: think season. that's likely.
0: Um. So, and and that would be a really successful season for me. I the benchmark the benchmark for the regular season this year after the Cavs traded for Donovan Mitchell was fifty wins, fifty wins and a top four seed. Yep. And they're right on the verge of accomplishing that. You know, we've had our peaks. We've had our valleys this season. Um, I think there there was times, especially... Uh, in January, I think stormed
1: I think. out of the gates right at the start, you know, <laughs> yeah. eight game winning streak after, you know, losing the first game in overtime,
0: none lost five in a row.
1: You know, they had, yeah, they had a streak right after that in November that wasn't so good. Then they played mo- pretty much well through first of the year. Then like yeah. you were about to say in January, they had another swoon. Yeah. But like,
0: but it seems like they're playing um, it's it honestly, it seems like they're playing their best basketball right now as we end the season. Um, and I guess I, some of that has to do with the opponents. I guess, you know, but like you said, Miami and Miami and Brooklyn are fringe playoff teams, uh, at worst. And you now throw Charlotte in there. Charlotte stinks.
1: Charlotte's so, awful.
0: Especially with LaMelo ball being out for the year. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it was great to see Jared Allen get back last night. Uh, you know, he comes back, missed the four games by getting viciously poked in the eye, um, he came back, wasn't wearing goggles or eye protection or anything, so he seems good to go. Had a double-double. um uh, was his normal uh, presence on the defensive end. Uh, Evan Mobley was really good yesterday. The only guy that really, I guess, struggled a little bit was Darius Garland. And and I say struggle. It's a relative term. He still had 17 points last night. Um, but he only hit one-three. And uh, –
1: to say they get 17 <laughs> points and like six of 20 shooting or something like no,
0: that. No, it wasn't that. It was just, he just didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, one thing that I did want to point out, and he's gotten hell, especially for me most of the season. Karis LeVert, over the last few weeks has played very, very well.
1: The best he's played as a Cavalier.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, you know, I talk about uh, peaking at the right time. If this is the Karis LeVert we get. In the playoffs, we are going to give Milwaukee everything they can handle in the second round, assuming that we they assuming both teams get there.
1: Agreed. And it's it's so big if he can if he can be a performer because yeah, that's you know so like at times of the game where either Garland or Mitchell is on the bench, if Lavert yeah. is keeping the scoring train going, that is huge.
0: Yeah, and he's he's playing he's playing well on the defensive end. The biggest thing for the Cavs – as we've gone throughout this season, has been the lack of production uh, from the bench, and Karis Levert. Twenty
1: seventh in the league in bench scoring.
0: <clears throat> Karis Levert, over the last few weeks has been really good. The, over the last couple games, Chetty Osman has been really good. Uh, you know, with Chetty, it's you know, it's boom or bust. He, he'll go two, three games where he plays really well, and then you know, you won't really see him for two weeks or you know, something like that. So anything we get out of Chetty Osman is a positive. Um, but those two guys, um, coupled with Ricky Rubio off the bench, and say a guy like Lamar Stevens, like obviously we're not pl- we're not going to be bringing four to five guys off the bench in the playoffs. We're probably going to have a rotation of seven, maybe eight guys in the playoffs. So you're looking at uh, nights where it's just Lavert and Rubio, Lavert, Osmond, Lavert, Stevens. Lavert's the first guy off the bench. That that's that's pretty much what's been established. He's going to be in the playoff rotation no matter what, and then I think it's going to be up to matchups after that. Um, so it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> Donovan Mitchell with a ferocious poster yesterday uh, on Oh, on my the goodness that gracious. Dunk. And, you know, this is a guy that has won the slam dunk competition before. He's thrown down vicious dunks all year. People forget he's only 6'2". You know, people just, like, assume that he's, like, 6'5", whatever.
1: Skills um, to show you that dunking isn't just all height. It's it's about ups.
0: Yeah, it's about athleticism. Yeah, it's about the ability to get up in the air. And it also doesn't doesn't hurt the fact that he has an enormous wingspan for a guy at 6'2". But, uh, you know, he was feeling it a little bit last night. Uh, I guess his mom was in the crowd because they were playing in Brooklyn. He's from the New York area. So uh, he had family at the game. Uh, he dropped 30-plus last night. He looked his normal self. I know he's been bothered by the sprained middle finger on his, I think it's his left hand. Um, But uh, because going into last night, he was one of 19 from three, the previous three games. He was five of nine last night. So uh, he can be a little bit streaky from three. But, you know, I'll say this. I'm glad that guy's on our team. So, yeah,
1: that's an understatement.
0: I mean, there's been a little bit of rumblings in the in the in the media and with fans over the last few weeks about like because y- people see how how Lori Markinen's played and actually how Ochai Abaji's played for the Utah Jazz um, and just how for the Cavs. I don't really want to get into a big discussion about this because I think it's it's kind of ludicrous, especially to talk about now when we're about to go into the playoff. Uh, On a playoff run. This is a conversation more for the offseason. When the Cavs made this trade for Donovan Mitchell. They essentially pushed everything to the middle of the table. This is your team. They don't have any room basically for adjustments or additions over the next couple years. This is your team.
1: Yeah, not through the draft and probably not through free agency given the <laughs> cap situation
0: no so this is it this was the move this was this was this is it so it's up to these guys and and people are saying people you know you know Cleveland fans we love our draft picks and we love you know blah. blah I don't, know, blah, I don't know why
1: quite frankly but. but
0: but people are like oh we can't make any moves uh, moving forward you have four really good basketball players. Under the age of 27 on this team for the next two to three years. Minimum.
1: At the minimum. Yes.
0: I mean, what more do you want? Basically, what's going to happen, Darius Garland's 22. Evan Mobley is 21. The versions of those players are not the... Now, I I do think Darius Garland is probably at about his apex of what we're going to see. And again, that's a damn good basketball player. but people I think underestimate the development that still needs to happen with Evan Mobley.
1: We're starting to see that now, particularly in the last couple months.
0: I mean, you talk about scratch, just barely scratching the surface. This kid is going to continue to get better and better and better. And for me, that's better than uh, a free agent addition, another trade. Now, I, that being said, I still do think we need more shooting on this team, but shooting you can get in a lot of different places. You could get a shooter in the second round of the draft. Uh, you can get a shooter on a throw-in on a trade or something. You know, it's something that's not like major. I'm talking about major things. With this Cavs team, this team is built. This is the team. You know, Kevin Love's contract is out of there. We're over the cap, so it's not like. It's not like we're creating 30 million dollars of cap space. Like this is the team moving forward and I got to say I'm really pumped about that because I I think that this team can still get better because there's still a ton of this team is still so young and still developing that they're just going to continue to get better. Evan, again, we said Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's not going to be a 16 point 8 rebound guy. Uh, at the apex of his career, at the apex of his career, you're looking at a guy, 22, 23 points per game, 10 rebounds. So you're, you're keeping the same player and probably adding six to seven points a game and, you know, two to three more rebounds per game. Not to mention the fact that he's already in discussion for defensive player of the year.
1: And that's very well deserved also. Right. Yes. So
0: this is your team. But as, as these guys continue to get older and continue to develop, you know, Donovan Mitchell is just now reaching the prime of his career. He's 26, 27 years old. He's going to be in the prime of his career for another four to five years. Yep. So, Jared
1: Allen is 24,
0: you know? Jared Allen seems like he's been in the league for 10 years already. He's
1: like the unsung hero of the team. He's he's the one that nobody seems to talk about, but man, when he's gone, team just doesn't seem to run without him very well.
0: Yeah, so... (laughs) I'm very, I'm very excited. You know, we complain about certain things, but again, you know, when we complain about about things that JB Bickerstaff does in game and his rotations and all that stuff, just because we lament those things doesn't mean we want the guy fired. I think that's like a like a really like, it's become so like, uh, so commonplace, especially in the social media area era where like. You disagree with one thing that one guy does, and, like, you want the guy gone, like, fired. There have been times where J.B. Bickerstaff has, has gotten me so frustrated as a Cavs fan watching a basketball game where, yeah, I have started to th- start to ponder, starting to wonder, like, is this the guy to coach the Cavs? But
1: this phenomenon is basically—this did not originate in sports— this originated in the world of entertainment and the world of politics where either you are on one side or you're on the other or you love somebody or you hated them. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of dynamic that has now because of the, you know, the Twitter and all the uh, social medias, you know, people are following, you know, accounts from all and people from all walks of life. So, you know, people who watch entertainment, watch politics, watch sports too. So now you have this, you know, A versus B kind of dynamic and it's like either you're on the good side or the evil side. It it didn't used to be that way. And it's <coughs> it's kind of unfortunate really.
0: Yeah. It's uh
1: <coughs> there's no middle ground anymore. Um so uh, I mean, if you want an example of that right now, just talk about <laughs> all the people talking about the World Baseball Classic, where you had all these folks here who are just crestfallen that their players are getting pulled out of spring camp to play in these games, and are like, you know, this tournament shouldn't be happening now, blah blah. Meanwhile, on the other side, these people are saying this is the greatest thing ever, you know. Yeah. So there was there was almost no middle ground on on even an event like that. So
0: yeah, it's uh, I think the i don't i don't know the numbers on the final yesterday but i know in the uh in the jap in the semifinal for the japanese half of that country watched that game
1: that's approximately 60 million people
0: 62 million people watched the semifinal game i Japan believe they played mexico. mexico yeah yes
1: and i'm sure that a, probably a similar number were watching in mexico yeah if I had to guess, um, maybe not quite as much because baseball is not quite as rabid in Mexico as it is in Japan, but it was still probably a very big number.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, it's very, the, the, the world baseball classic is very controversial here, especially with, uh, Edwin Diaz getting injured, celebrating.
1: And then that's the funniest part that, that could have happened in any situation. The very
0: next, the very next day, Jose, uh, uh, oh, what the heck? Uh, what's his name? Not Jose. Jose Altuve. Altuve gets uh, hit with a getting pitch. getting hit with a pitch, breaks his thumb, and he's out for two months in the regular season. Boy, that
1: could have happened in a spring training game too.
0: Yeah, it like, could have. And oh. it's just hilarious how people, you know, you see people when it's their when it's their player. And again, uh, I I'm I'm coming at this at the with the mindset of I don't really care because, um no Guardians player got injured.
1: If somebody on the Astros gets hurt, oh, well. Yeah, right. World's smallest violin for the cheaters. Right.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. They're finally getting what's coming to them. (laughs) Uh, Especially Altuve, you know, grabbing his jersey when he's rounding third base after he hit the home run against the Yankees. No, 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 don't rip my jersey off me. Uh, (laughs) uh, But anyway. um, Yeah, so (laughs) it was – I will say it was pretty wild to see – uh, Miami Marlins Park get its one and only uh, sellout crowd out last night for this, <laughs> for this year.
1: Because you know they're saying, not gonna, They have 11 sellouts already this year. They're not going to get another one. Yeah, right.
0: That's <laughs> the, the 11 sellouts that they're going to get all year. So, <laughs> congrats to them. Uh, my cousin Marcus was actually at the game last night. Mm. Uh, he, he goes, that makes sense. Because he plays baseball at FIU. Yeah, so, he's a golden panther. Um, he Yeah, so he was at the game. And, uh, man, you know. Fanduel had a Fanduel had a boost bet last night, which was either Mike Trout or Trey Turner to hit a home run plus three hundred, and I almost bet it.
1: Oh my gosh! And he was at the plate with two outs, down by one, and the ninth Well, night
0: Trey, Trey, Trey Turner's Trey Turner's responsible for the only U.S. run Ooh. in that game, so that bet cashed. Mm, oh, in okay. the first couple innings, Trey Turner hit a home run. Mm. So it was plus three hundred. I, I almost put ten bucks on it. Would have won. Would have won forty bucks total, but uh, thirty bucks plus my ten back. But uh,
1: you couldn't have scripted the end of that game any better. With, no with Trout Trout at the Otani with Otani pitching. I mean By
0: the way, uh whatever whatever the record is for contract, Shohei Otani's gonna absolutely obliterate it next year.
1: I've heard six hundred billion possibly thrown out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a guy who can hit and pitch. Yeah. I, yeah. I could see it.
0: Not just hit. He's like He's, like, a top 10 hitter and a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball.
1: That's just not fair. Like, no wonder Japan won this event. Like, He has –
0: now, he's not going to put up the numbers over, like, a career – like, he's not going to hit, like, 600 home runs and, you know, win, like, six Cy Youngs because he's already 28 years old. He came over – he came over a little – and it it took him a little bit while to get going. So, like – but – He's going he's going to go down if he continues on this trage- trajectory, just because this is essentially something that we've never seen before. Now yeah, Babe Ruth pitched and hit and and all that. That was 1920s when guys were smoking cigars in the lock in the in the dugout, you know, cigarettes in the dugout, you know, Babe Ruth was eating three pound ham sandwiches between innings, you know crap like that. I'll this never guy. forget it.
1: It's Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia the night um, when Barry Bonds was getting close to the home run record. They unfurled a giant flag behind him in left field that said, Ruth did it on hot dogs and beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was some of the best trolling I've ever seen. You can always count on Philly fans. <laughs>
0: uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I think Shohei Otani has a chance to go down as like the greatest baseball player ever.
1: If he does this over a very long period of time still, or even a medium-term period, yeah, could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just think about it. I mean, it's hard to compare players from the various eras when you think about it because the game was so different 100 or even 50 years ago. But, I mean, we we, we do not have but he, anyone again, like this right. in like 100 years. Nobody else
0: is doing what this guy's doing. Nobody. Nobody. Virtually ever
1: right yeah we baseball literally eliminated the designated hitter from the national <coughs> league because it was just they're sick of giving teams an easy out in the nine hole like pitchers just don't hit you know but now this guy has just completely turned that on its head
0: yeah it is uh by the way it's crazy
1: guess who's in Japan right now
0: uh, your brother, I saw the text message.
1: Yes. He yeah. is in Japan, and I don't know what day he got there, but he was saying that the, like you said, 62 million people watched the semifinal game in Japan. Oh, um, it's taken but, over the country. It was probably more than that. I mean, they they were in literal WBC hysteria, and this game last night was, you know, game started Tuesday night here, obviously, started early Wednesday morning, probably concluded, you know, late morning um in Japan and I, I'm i guessing that today was not a productive day in Japan. People were probably out at whatever they do, you know, the bars or whatever they do, um, or just staying at home watching this, and they probably just celebrated the whole rest of the day. You know? Yeah. I And that might go for a while. Who knows? Uh, but the coolest thing about this is that Matthew was actually in Nagano, oddly enough, ah. when, when this was going on. And the, the – the, the joke I told him on the group last night was just don't go down the bobsled run. Yeah. This is a this is a reference to the fact that when we played the Nagano Winter Olympics video game, he could never steer the bobsled down without tipping the bobsled. Or me or me with the ski jump. <laughs> oh. But he did get to ski down the Hakuba and Shiga Kogan ski runs, which is where the oh, wow. Olympic downhill and uh giant slalom took place in nineteen ninety eight. So That's really cool. Yeah. That's uh He's living his best life right now with his girlfriend Veronica. That's for sure. Yeah, They've, uh, their world tour started in New Zealand, then went to Australia, then to Thailand, and now they're in Japan. So wow, very cool. Yep. <laughs>
0: <coughs> well, anyway, uh, World Baseball Classic uh, is now over. Japan, like you said, has won it for the third time. Uh, we will not see the World Baseball Classic again until 2026. Um. So we are full steam ahead. We are only eight days away from the opening of the Guardians 2023 season. And I got to say, this is something we talked about in our group text uh, yesterday. Uh, The Guardians, I think, struck gold with a ticket promotion that they put out yesterday, which I don't know if they stole this idea from the Cavaliers because the Cavs used to do this. They obviously don't now because the team is really good again and they're selling out every night. Um, But the Guardians have introduced a subscription um, plan for games, which includes (coughs) opening day, uh, the home opener. Uh, You get a standing room ticket for every game in the month, every home game in the month, for $49. This includes opening day in which I guess – the Guardians are selling standing room only tickets just on their own for $39. So, you could get a standing room only ticket at opening day and every other game home game in April for 49 bucks.
1: Now, Sounds amazing before you consider that it's probably going to be like 45 and blustery for half the Well, days. that's why yeah. But that's yeah. why maybe you mm-hmm. wait
0: until June to uh start enacting that uh that subscription cuz you, you you go month to month. You don't just like you don't just like do it and it goes for the whole season. You can do it for every month in the season. You could. Yes. But uh, and even then if you just if you just think about it the baseball season is essentially six months long.
1: Yeah, it's half the year. Uh
0: goes from April through the end of September. Um forty nine bucks a month, that's essentially fifty bucks a month for six months. You can get season tickets to the Guardians for three hundred dollars. <throat> and yeah, technically you don't have a seat. It's standing room, but with these new rules, you're only gonna be standing for two and a half hours. And that's what you think. And most weekday games, you'll be able to find a seat, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, in the summertime, if the Guardians are good, as we expect them to be, the week weekend games probably will be more full, obviously. Um, but if you're going to the ballpark on a Tuesday in the middle of June, uh, especially before kids let out for school for the summer, you can pretty much sit wherever you want in that place. Definitely in April or May, probably. <clears throat> Except for maybe behind home plate where they might have ushers. Oh, yeah, like, no. Checking tickets and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think it's an incredible ticket promotion. And I think it is um, – I think it's going to be great. It's going to get more people in, this, in the stadium, which is great for the atmosphere, uh, for the Dolan's pocketbooks. Um, and uh, – I think it's just going to help the entire atmosphere
1: of the ballpark. Um, this is effectively Amazon prime for MLB and yeah, for the basically. guardians. That's what this is. Or and Netflix, I, any subscription Netflix, service. Right. We're, we're so used to these kinds of services. I mean, go into the car wash anymore. It's just like pay 20 or 25 bucks every month and, and wash your car as much as you want. Yeah. That, that sort of thing is the way business has gone nowadays. And it's, it's actually pretty neat that sports is starting to buy into this model because for the longest time, you know, single game was just how they did things. And and I mean, you get better rates with season tickets, obviously, but season tickets are such a difficult investment for baseball because there's so many games. Mm-hmm. Um it's not as it's not as easy to execute as it is for the NBA or certainly not for the NFL. So, you know, this this makes it a lot easier on some folks. Now, obviously, if you're not somebody who's like younger and in some decent physical shape you may not be able to stand the whole time it's not so good but you know at least they're they're making that option
0: remember baseball games are probably going to be considerably shorter this season with the advent of the new rules so probably not standing as long as you normally would
1: but uh, just don't tell that to your friend your buddy or your your date or whatever that you're saying oh yeah it's gonna be like two and a half hours and like it ends up being, like, a 14-inning game oh, and, yeah. and, like, <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the Guardians get underway uh, in eight days next Thursday. Uh, might be seven if you're listening to this uh, on Thursday. But, uh, yeah, they unfortunately start on the West Coast, so if you're going to want to watch uh, Guardians baseball the opening week of the season, you will be having to stay up very late. To watch the games,
1: I imagine at least two of those games will probably be day games, though. No,
0: uh, Not sure. maybe I don't know. I have no idea. I think play
1: a lot. I mean, at home I think, at least, they don't play a lot of night games early on the season.
0: I think Opening Day is, in fact, a night game. I don't think that's a day game in Seattle.
1: Oh, that is surprising.
0: Yeah, so I think they're playing at ten o'clock on opening di- on opening day.
1: That is weird. Yeah, honestly, hmm. um, looking it up right now. Uh, yeah, Thursday, March 3rd. Yeah, 10, 10. In fact. Yeah, of this four-game opening se- series starting on Thursday, yeah, only Sunday is a afternoon start. I'm shocked by that.
0: Yeah. Is it uh, – do you think it's a good or a bad omen that the Guardians, uh, as a team, record-wise, are absolutely
1: sucking in spring training? I don't think it has any bearing on anything. <laughs> they, they they could be winning every game or losing every game. I don't think it. you can – extrapolate anything from spring spring training honestly it's it's kind of like the NFL preseason I don't think you can extrapolate anything from that either
0: well that's good and I hope you're correct because the Guardians are dead last in the Cactus League at 8 and 14
1: not to mention that you know certain teams <coughs> don't have certain players because of said world championship tournament going on right now or yeah. just just wrapped up so I mean too many variables it's just
0: I don't know Yeah, so uh, we will be doing a season preview episode uh, next week for the Guardians as we do our show the day before the season opens. So that will be exciting. So we will talk.
1: That definitely will be. A
0: lot more Guardians baseball next week, so tune in for that. Uh, But lastly, on tonight's episode, we need to talk about the Cleveland Browns because they are wheeling and dealing.
1: Yes, they are.
0: And I got to say I am feeling a lot better about this team right now than I was even last week. Um you know last week obviously we talked about the uh initial free agent signings. Uh just today the the Browns made two moves that I think really helped the roster. First and foremost Excuse me. Hazy IPA. Um uh, Give me the hiccups um they re-signed and brought back linebacker anthony walker which i think is a very underrated move uh mainly because we don't have a lot of linebacker right now and he only played a few games last year but when anthony walker played last year our defense was actually somewhat decent when he went out it kind of all fell apart but uh You know, he's been a leader on the team the last couple years. The guys in the locker room seem to love him. Um, So I have nothing against bringing him back. Obviously, it's a one-year deal, not a lot of money. So um, that was good to see. Um, And then I guess the big move, um, the Browns made a trade today, this afternoon, bringing in disgruntled New York Jets wide receiver Elijah Moore who is a 2021 second round draft pick number 34 overall to the New York Jets out of Old Miss wide receiver uh 5'11" runs a 43 540 I remember being very high on him when uh that draft was going on that was the draft here wasn't
1: it it was 2021 yeah
0: so I wanted the Browns to draft him uh and uh, obviously, they didn't get a chance. Weren't because, picking high enough, and yeah, he was drafted before the Browns could draft in the second round. Um, so, I really like this move, mainly because we really didn't
1: give up anything. I name I name dropped this guy. <clears throat> you did a couple of weeks ago. You did credit to you you. you. you mentioned Jerry Judy, and I said, well. Elijah Morris seems to fit that same profile, and I thought for sure he was headed out of New York, given what's yeah. going on there. And now this, I will this say, a trade that made a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Now I will say, I still would rather have had Jerry Judy, but it's obvious that the Broncos' uh, asking price was way too high on him. So That's the, Browns, the impression
1: I got as well. Yeah.
0: And even you know, I'm assuming that Denver wanted first round value for Jerry Judy, even if the Browns Ew. wanted to, even if the Browns wanted to do that uh they don't have a first round pick this year or next year so um yeah so but uh so the browns go from 42 to 74 in this year's draft essentially uh going from a middle second round pick dropping down to the third round um and getting Elijah Moore uh one of the one of the interesting things tidbits about this trade is Elijah Moore is very cheap Still on his rookie contract for a second-round pick. He'll be making under $2 million this year, under $2 million next year. And why that's significant is between him and Jerry Judy, I do think Jerry Judy is the better player. I would have rather have had Jerry Judy if compensation would have been the same. It wasn't, so I'm glad that we ended up with Elijah Moore. If the Browns would have traded for Jerry Judy, uh, this would have been Amari Cooper's last year with the Browns. Because Jerry Judy, uh, he'd be going into his fifth-year option next year, uh, which would have been about $13 million. And you'd have to give him a long-term contract extension if you're trading for him, especially for that amount of assets, uh, which would have pushed Amari Cooper out the door. So I do believe trading for Elijah Moore, it opens the possibility for Amari Cooper to stay with the Cleveland Browns long-term. Um, so I like that. Amari Cooper was great for the Browns last year, and he has been a very productive player for the vast majority of his career. So that is a plus.
1: What are your thoughts? Well, I think Andrew Barry deserves a gold star for what he's doing right now, because he is dealing with a very tight, ferociously tight situation with the salary cap. They already reworked Deshaun Watson's contract, which, you know, does give them space this year, but really makes it tough beyond this year with the amount of cap hit that they're going to be taking from that contract. Yeah. So he had to be, he had to be, like you said, he had to be looking at not just this year, but how can he try to keep talent on the roster and not end up with a whole bunch of salary cap casualties in 2024 and 2025? and. This sort of wheeling and dealing is right in line with that sort of philosophy. So, yeah, I, I credit to him. I him and Paul DePodesta. I think they're doing a very sound job. And again, you can say what you want about the Watson situation. I still think that ownership probably had a heck of a lot to do with that decision. But be that as it may, the the GM and the folks in the front office, they're doing the best they can, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I uh <clears throat> You know, the Browns haven't gotten the quote-unquote number one guy of really any position uh that they've signed, but they're making a lot of sound prudent signings to fill needs in uh on the roster which will allow them even though they now only have their highest draft pick is in the third round. They have two thirds, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth and a seventh this year. I don't think they're going to be making eight draft picks. Uh, just look, I mean, just looking at the roster composition, I don't think there's room on this roster for eight rookies. So I definitely see them taking some of those picks and trading back and picking up extra picks in, uh, future drafts. Um, but for their top-end picks, they can essentially, you know, all teams say, oh, we just go best player available. That's BS. Teams draft based on need all the time. But I think <clears throat> assuming, that, assuming that Andrew Barry makes one or two smaller moves in free agency before the draft, the Browns can actually go best player available with whatever picks that they decide that they want to make this year.
1: And I'm always a fan of that philosophy over drafting for need because if you're drafting for need, that's when you end up reaching, and yeah. it just—I mean, at the at, at at the top of the draft, teams
0: always draft for need. They they say they draft best player available, but whatever team needs a quarterback is going to draft a quarterback in the top ten. You know, even if, like you said, reaching how many times have have teams reached for a quarterback in the top ten? Oh gosh, that happens every year. Yeah, and it's going to happen this year for sure, um, just because it's not an over, it's not a great quarterback. It class. is not,
1: and we've said that I for think... a long while. And it is going to be interesting to see <laughs> which one of them ends up being the cream of the crop, so to speak, yeah. and ends up rising into the top five projection. You know, it just yeah. You know it's gonna happen. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: But getting back to the Browns, I I really like what they did. Um I again, they didn't go splash for free you know, they didn't break the bank for Javon Hargrave, even though I would have loved that signing, but you know, they got Dalvin Tomlinson for uh a bunch less. He's not as good as Javon Hargraves, obviously, but um, he's still a very good player. Um, you know, they didn't get the Jerry Judy. They didn't get the, you know, maybe the top of the line receiver, but they got a guy with a ton of potential. And people forget Elijah Moore. This is going to be his third year in the NFL. He's 22 years old. Like the Browns are taking it took advantage of a situation where <clears throat> the Jets did not utilize him correctly. He voiced his displeasure over it. He wanted out, and the Browns took advantage of it by getting a second-round pick receiver uh, who's only 22 years old still fills their need at receiver of a fast slot receiver that can go deep, and they only moved down 30 spots in the current draft to do so. They didn't even lose a draft pick. They just went down in the draft, you know, which in in my
1: view is very insignificant.
0: Yeah, especially especially outside of the first round. Now, now if you if you would have went from the twelfth pick to the fortieth
1: pick, okay, that's there's some significance. That's, that's there. more substantial than going from forty second <laughs> to seventy second or whatever they do. Yeah,
0: but the the probability of you hitting on a draft pick in the middle of the second round at, or the the Uh, The middle top of the third round, it's about the same. There's really not much of a difference. Um, So, the Browns, to me, essentially got Elijah Moore for nothing, basically. And that, that really excites me because I liked him a lot when he was coming out of college. Not that I'm some great NFL talent evaluator, I'm just... You know, I liked him back then, so
1: I'm glad that he's on the Browns now, you know. Mm. And my voice is going. Bottom line is, is if you look at the Browns' offense, which was, at least in the second half of the season, was the—it's weird because in the first half of the season, the offense was good, the the defense was terrible. Then after that stretch in November, it reversed. You've got a lot of proven guys all over the place on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And— it's just going to be down to the coaching staff to make it all click, and that's Co- that's it, it the coach and the quarterback. What it does, yeah, it's, it's it's pressure on Deshaun Watson to show that he can recover some of the form, if not all of it, that he had in Houston. Yeah, and Kevin Stefanski, can you put it all together? Well, yeah, he did well, it in 2020, yeah. but we haven't seen it since. Not pressure
0: for not pressure for his job for Deshaun Watson because he's. He's, yeah, it's a little different in that aspect. He's in place. He's got his contract. It's fully guaranteed. He ain't going anywhere. Kevin Stefanski, on the other hand, we've talked about on this podcast before. If the Browns start two and four, two and five, we're going. Jim Schwartz is going to be the interim head coach of this football team by the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, two and five is probably the right target because that's when they the Browns were two and five when they let go of Hugh Jackson.
0: And again. You know, we'll have to see when, you know, when do the Browns have a bye week this year? Blah, 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 blah. What does the beginning of their schedule look like? Like, if the Browns play all their hard games at the beginning of the season and they're two and four, three and five, something like that, maybe, okay, you don't pull the, you know, pull the cord on, on Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, right. If you've had to play Kansas City and Buffalo or, you know, yeah. whomever. Yeah. You know, like, um, but if they're, you know, if they're two and four based on like, like the beginning part of the schedule they had last year. Yeah. Goodbye. Get out.
1: Mm. NFL so schedule releases right around the draft, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it is it right. I think it might be right after, or right I think before. So. It's either it's right like, before, or right after. It's
1: in May. I yeah, thought yeah, it might be right, right after draft.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, it uh, it is going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, we have a long way to go before uh, round season starts, but uh, the pieces are coming together as far as free agency goes, filling needs. And we're starting to see what this team might look like in the 2023 season. And, again, like you said, they have a lot more weapons now. Or they have a lot of professional weapons on offense. Uh, Nick Chubb, uh, David Njoku, Amari Cooper, now Elijah Moore, DPJ. um, You know, did see that De'arnest Johnson signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars today. So um, he is not going to be coming back uh kareem hunt has not landed anywhere yet uh so we'll see what happens there i don't think he's coming back but you know if nobody if nobody signs him you know maybe he comes back on like a minimum deal or something
1: but uh yeah it does say something that De'Andre johnson has been signed and kareem hunt has not been yeah up to this point showing that the the market's actually higher for De'Andre johnson and Credit to Jarius Johnson. He had some incredible performances when we had issues with Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb being out. I remember this one game against Denver where he ran for almost 200 yards and basically yep. iced the game on on his own in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, so uh, g- great for him. I actually think that's a great signing for the Jaguars. I think they're a team that's on an upward trajectory. Oh yeah, and you know, obviously he won't be the feature guy there, but like, I think he could do very well there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, we will see what happens uh, with the rest of free agency as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um, yeah. I think that's going to do it for us on this
1: episode. That pretty much does it. I did want to just very briefly talk about the NCAA first and second round. Which oh, jeez. Just, just absolutely ridiculous, some of the results we saw. And I think what this – first and second round again particularly the first round confirms and I, I talked about this last week there are some teams that have tournament pedigree and there are some that just simply do not Arizona Arizona I mentioned they're one of them Virginia was another I mentioned that they're not 2019 national title notwithstanding they've had a whole bunch of other banana peels they've had and then the worst of the worst one that we didn't even talk about because they were a number one seed. Uh, came up and just totally stole the show, and that Perdonte. was Purdue. Purdue, who has now lost to a thirteen, a fifteen, and a sixteen seed in the first round three of the last four years. Purdue
0: lost to a team that plays in a in a basketball gym the size of Strongsville High School. Fairly Dickinson. <laughs> I mean, my oh, goodness man. gracious, yeah. I I I haven't even looked. At my bracket since the first night because I know it's just incinerated.
1: Hey, I wasn't looking too bad on any of those. I I think Virginia might have had in the round of 16. These other ones I was actually had going out pretty early. But the one that killed me was Kansas losing. Oh, yeah. I did not see that coming. And that yeah. just completely nuked the whole thing for me. Um,
0: I still have my national champion. I picked UCLA to win it all.
1: Uh, that is a pretty fashionable choice. Tro- now, Next game for UCLA is a pretty spicy one. They had to play Gonzaga, but that's a team yep. that they have actually had success against in the tournament in the past. If they get by this yeah. game, they, they could be going all the way, possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you look at the other you know, teams that are in the top teams technically by seed. Houston's still in there. Alabama's still in there. Xavier and Texas have another three-versus-two match. That's going to be a, yeah, a spicy be a confrontation as well. At this point, I guess I'm rooting for the Musketeers. They're the team from yeah. inside the state. I did a college visit at Xavier. I very nearly went there. Uh, def- definitely a team to watch. Um, <sighs> again, and the other sentimental choice, I mean, this uh, talking about national champion, this probably won't happen, but the Princeton Tigers are still in this thing. They are. Number 15 seed. The Ivy Leaguers. And they have to play against the, Cre- the Creighton Blue Jays in the next game. Talk about your small school confrontation on that one. And that that's good. That's a fun matchup right there. Yeah. So I uh, mean,
0: yeah, there definitely are some really good matchups still. I just man, I
1: yeah, I don't
0: it's great. I don't know what it is. The last two years I have been terrible in my bracket.
1: Yeah, me too. Just awful. They're they're I don't know. Although I I will say
0: I, I will say I am doing better. Uh, then uh, I am doing better this year than I am last year. I lost uh, my national champion last year on the first day of the tournament. Oh, Can't even remember who worst. that was. Can't even remember oh. who that was.
1: I mean, losing him in the second round is almost as bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at it, you do have some of the blue bloods, the traditional blue bloods still in there. Michigan State is still in there. UConn Boy, is still in there.
0: Mr. March, Tom Izzo. You know, when Tom Izzo <sighs> – Has a top two, three seed team. He usually all like, like, Tomezo usually always gets a sweet 16. But when he has like a top two, three seed, he doesn't do very well. When he has like a seven, an eight, or a nine seed Michigan State, he almost always makes it to like the elite eight.
1: Yeah, look out. Like, yeah, you you just can't. That's the difference. And I'm the moron that bet against him in both games. A team like Michigan State versus a team like Purdue. One team has tournament history and pedigree; the other one doesn't. It's right. as simple as that. You know, you look at a team like you know Iowa State. Another team has no history of doing well in the tournament. They were out first game. Missouri, credit to them; they actually won a game this year. Yeah. But then they turn around and lost to Princeton. Former with the uh, so. former Cleveland State coach Dennis Gates. <laughs> so maybe small victory there, but then losing to a 15 seed probably not part of the plan. Yeah. So, so you know, it it that's just the way it is. That, and yeah, you know, honestly. Fun. So, two really hilarious moments from the first weekend of the tournament. The first one was when the guy from Virginia got trapped <laughs> in the corner with a timeout in his pocket and just chucked the ball down the court. It gets intercepted <laughs> and Furman hits a three at the buzzer. The, best, the, part, the best
0: part is they CBS uh, posted a side-by-side of the actual game uh, camera and then the camera that's on... Kevin Harlan, Stan Van Gundy, and I can't remember who else is calling the game with them, but as soon as that guy chucks that ball, you see Stan Van Gundy just put both of his arms out, like, bracing back, like, oh, my God, he did not just do that, <laughs> and then you just see Kevin Harlan, like, oh, no, he did it, he puts it up, Go
1: <laughs> It was such a great moment. Oh,
0: God, and you had the GOAT, <laughs> Kevin Harlan, on the call for that. I mean, is there a better, now, listen, okay, maybe not GOAT, I do love Jim Nance, I think Jim Nance, Jim Nance could... Could announce a uh, friggin' uh, hamster race, <laughs> but Kevin Harlan and Jim Nance are the two that you want to hear in the tournament.
1: Hello, friends.
0: Oh God, don't <laughs> boy. That's another thing we got to start talking about here in the next couple weeks. It's a tradition unlike any other. It is, and I've had to fight for this with my old co host because you know they're not they weren't as big golf fans. Is there anything better than? Sunday back nine of the Masters when there's like three four guys within like a stroke of each other,
1: that that is great is there theater. Any better
0: sports drama than like three guys, especially if they're in the same group, if they're like the last group, like and and they're just playing well. Like say it's Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth, uh, coming up to 16 t, uh, you know with the, it they're in one stroke of each other. Is there anything better?
1: Yeah, we're, I mean, we're segwaying away <sighs> here, but the thing I like most about Augusta is that the money holes are like, other than 18, are yeah. early on the back nine. Yep. So you get A-man that corner. drama 12. almost 12, 13. Yep. You know, So you get that drama starting there from like seven, eight holes back. Right. And... Even if it's like a situation where the guy's up by four or five shots, and you mentioned Jordan Spieth. Yeah, 12, um, you just put it in the water. You you put a couple in the water, and all of a sudden it's tied. Yeah,
0: you're up four, you put a couple in the drink, and you're down two, you know? Yeah, it's just uh, I love it. I can't wait. We'll we'll talk about it, but uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So a lot going on this weekend. The NCAA... The NCAA Sweet 60 in the Elite Eight is this weekend. Yep. Again, the NBA season is getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Um, and, of course, spring is here. Uh, technically arrived yesterday. Ah, technically. Um, it mean,
0: is, it today, is a little warmer. This, yeah. Today's I
1: mean, just been pretty much bang on average. We're going to get know? rain
0: the rest of the week, but it is going to be warmer. It's going to be in the upper 50s. That
1: is also kind of on brand. For I think this.
0: tomorrow is like a 98% chance of rain like all day.
1: Yeah, It's it's – going to be a wash it's going to be like tomorrow. 59 uh, you know so. it, that's not out of the ordinary we're you know we're getting into the you know what keen would call the maritime tropical air masses that always yeah. come over here around this time starting Eugene in march keen. and into april but uh yeah. you know it's uh it's gonna be a wild ride buckle up folks because yeah. you know I've said this. Oh, we're gonna get snow still. There is there is a possibility. So just the better biggest, not happen on April thirteenth. The biggest 13th. snowstorm we've had all year was on December twenty third. Yeah. That was when we it was like ridiculous, super crazy minus cold, minus thirty degree wind and chill. And the Browns somehow lost the Saints even though they are playing oh. in 5-degree weather. But we got like maybe six inches of snow that day. There was actually the cold and the wind that was the bigger story. I think I, this might be one of my biggest calls ever. Yeah. I think there is a really significant chance. Oh, don't do it. That our biggest by inches snowfall of this year, this winter slash early spring season, could happen between now and the end of the spring. We could have a bigger (laughs) snowfall than the six inches we got on December 23rd. No. I think there's, I think there's like maybe not a better than evil chance, but there's a a good chance. You
0: know what's going to happen on my birthday week. (sighs) Ah. I don't know about well I mean it's three weeks it's away It's not
1: unprecedented
0: three weeks away
1: I remember a senior year <laughs> of high school we got blasted by like a foot of snow and like that was actually late April yeah which was really bizarre but yeah. I mean
0: well we're rambling so let's go ahead and end the episode uh appreciate you guys listening as always thank you guys so much Uh, You can follow us on social media.
1: At Stiff's McGee.
0: At Daniel J. Ford. And you can follow the show at the LOTL Podcast on all platforms. And, uh, yeah. We'll see you guys next week. We'll be talking baseball. Talking tribe. Well, guards. And uh, And
1: that's another dollar in the jar. I
0: said tribe. Who cares? I didn't say I didn't say
1: (laughs) I'm trying to get you to say it now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.